How's everyone doing today? I don't know about y'all, but I am enjoying this fall weather. It's feeling good. It feels great. I just want to say if you're new to New Philly today, I just want to welcome you. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here. And New Philly is really a special community. We don't say that just trying to toot our own horn or anything like that. But I really believe that as you're here in this community that you're really going to experience healing, deliverance, and you're going to encounter God in ways that you may have never. And here in this house, we really welcome people as they come in. And we believe for every person that walks through this door that that God desires to encounter you personally and powerfully. And so I just want to say welcome. As you guys know, we've been going through a series called Core Values, the Remix. Everyone right now, go ahead, turn to your neighbor and say, this is Core Values, the Remix. Some of you are like, what is that? What is that? That's the sound that the DJ makes when he's scratching the record. And as you guys met two weeks ago, our special guest DJ, DJ Marky Mark in the back. Remix. Remix. You know, two weeks ago, we, I introduced DJ Marky Mark, Mark Rado. He's our tech team leader. And we just had this crazy idea. And we're like, what if you act like a DJ in the back? And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't feel good about that. And then it's like, okay, well, let's just do it anyways. And so we did it. And then this week, I was like, we got to top it. How do we top it? So, I got it. You'll make music. We'll do the robot. And then as soon as I said it, I was like, I should not have said that. <laughs> I was trying to pull it back so fast. But by then, uh, DJ Marky Mark, Mark Rado, he's like, yes, let's do it. And then our worship pastor, Mark, you, I mean, he had me come up and dance during worship. I figure I'll have him come up and dance during the sermon. Gotcha. <laughs> this has been an awesome series. If you haven't caught any of the messages, I want to encourage you to go and, and check our podcast feed. Grab the previous four messages. And today is message number five in the series. And we are halfway there. So there's nine core values. And right now we are right in the middle. So the first four is the is to be extravagant in worship. That freedom is for everyone. To father the fatherless. To be faithful in the small things. That was a powerful service two weeks ago. And today is that the anointing flows from the top down. And then we will have the next core values. Oh, my gosh. My mind just went blank. Membership class people. What's the next one? (laughs) Roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. The supernatural is natural. Contend for the kingdom. And my favorite, dream big. Everyone say dream big. big. And this core value today is the one that is right. Smack dab in the middle of the core values. This one is in the center. And I believe that this core value is not in the center. It's not number five for like, oh, it just happened to be that way. But I believe that it's at the center because it gets 
to the heart of the matter. That this core value, it really points at really the center of the issue of what it means to live a Christian life that is filled with blessing, filled with God's favor, filled with his power and anointing. That this core value is at the center of what it means to trust God. Actually, more than this core value being at the center of what it means to trust God, I believe that this core value, more than just trusting God, it points at what it means to be a person that God can trust. We talk a lot about trusting God. I need to get better at trusting God. I got to, I, oh, I just wish I could trust God more. But we don't really hear in the church people talking about becoming a person that God can trust. But that's something that God holds very highly. We see that God has a high standard for his people becoming people that he can entrust with things. That he can entrust with his Holy Spirit. That he can entrust with his power. That he can entrust with revelation. That he can entrust with supernatural grace. That he can entrust with favor. That he can entrust with blessing. The very word entrust has entrust. Right? Right? And it, it gets uncomfortable when you talk about something like this core value. Because our entire culture and the world system is set up in the opposite direction. We've been taught completely differently. But what we see is that God, he desires for us to become people that he can trust. You see that Jesus placed trust very high. He had his 12 disciples. Jesus would preach to the masses. He'd preach amazing messages because Jesus loves everyone. But then when it came to explaining the parables, he would only bring the 12. And then when he wanted to go deeper, he wouldn't even, he would say, you know what? Give me the three. We see throughout the Bible that God, he, he desires, he loves everyone, but there's only a select group of people that God looks at and he says, those are the people I can trust. I mean, he loved all of Jacob's sons. But he chose, he, he only chose one that he would raise up. To be the prime minister. He, he entrusted him with that power. He loved all of Jesse's sons. But he only chose one that would be king. David. Because it was someone he could trust. God desires for us to be people that he can trust. You ever thought about that? You know when I work. When I work through and pray through these messages. God confronts me with it first. And when that hit me. I was like, snap. Looking in the mirror, Jesus, am I a person you can trust? Do you trust me? But God, he, he desires to entrust us with so much. The Two weeks ago, I talked about our core value, be faithful in the small things. And I talked about how Jesus's definition of greatness, it all begins with servanthood. And that your greatness in the kingdom and God's ability to entrust you with something is, is always in proportion to your level of servanthood. How many people are you willing to get down on your knees, get your hands dirty and serve? 
And a lot of people talked about like, you know, that message that set me free because I always thought my dreams of standing before thousands and singing and being an actress or being this, that and the other and being a CEO for God, that that was a fleshly or worldly dream. But that message helped to redefine it for me and told me that, you know what, God desires greatness for my life. But he desires that I learn how to serve other people, that I don't use what God is giving me and the dreams that God is giving me to rule over someone else. But this message today actually takes it deeper. Because God, he doesn't just care about your servanthood. He, he cares about what gets worked on in the inside of you so that when you get to that place of great greatness, you will be a person whom he can trust to do his will. I love it in, in Acts 13.22. And this is, I believe it's Stephen. He's recounting the history right before he's later on about to get killed. But he's talking about the history of the people of Israel. And he gets to the place where he starts talking about David. I could be wrong saying it's Stephen, but it says that when he, meaning God, had removed him, meaning Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. I love that that phrase, right? A man after God's own heart. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I remember just worshiping God and singing to God and be like, God, I want to be a man after your heart. Tear. But as I was preparing this message, God was like, you know, I want you to look at the full passage. I want you to look at the full verse because everyone stops at a man after my own heart. He says, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. We're going somewhere today. See, David was someone whom God said he was a man after my own heart. Me and David, we have the same heart. David pursues my heart. David is someone that I look at and I can trust because David, when he becomes king, he will do my will. He's a man I can trust. And David actually writes in Psalm 133, 1 to 2. And this is this is the verse that this core value comes from. It's very interesting. It's a song of a sense, a song written by David. He says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. That word unity means when brothers dwell, pursuing the same thing, pursuing the same heart. How amazing and sweet it is. It is like the precious oil being poured out. On the head, running down on the beard and on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collars of his robe. I want you to imagine that, you know, Aaron, this spiritual authority who's standing. And when he's being commissioned by God, they pour out the oil and it flows from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And from this verse, we get our core value, which is that the anointing flows from the top down. Everyone say that. Don't you neighbor say the anointing flows from the top down. And what that means is that supernatural grace, God has designed it so that blessing, covering, and supernatural grace flows into your life as you learn to submit and honor your spiritual authorities. 
And that when we do not do that, when we refuse to allow a leader to speak into our life, to cover us, to protect us, to give us wisdom, the only person we're hurting is ourselves. And actually becoming a person that God can trust involves becoming a person who is in submission and honors spiritual leaders. In our generation, we don't like that. We don't like the understanding that I have to submit to someone. That's because we've been, we've been fed a lie by the devil. We've been told that submission is subjection and obedience is oppression. I got to submit. I don't want to do that. I remember the first time Pastor Christian, I talked about it last week. The first time Pastor Christian told me to join the service team. And Sister Megan, one of our leaders here, she was leading the team. And I forgot what she told me to do, but whatever she told me to do, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'll do it. But I, was, I don't want to do that. Hey, you do it. You know. And the more and more I did that, I realized that I would, the only person I was hurting was myself because I wasn't being, I wasn't allow, allowing God to form in me the kind of character that I needed to be a person he could trust with anointing, with wisdom, with blessing, with favor. I know we started with the robot and it got real serious. <laughs> it's like, I liked him in the beginning. He had dance moves. Now I just want to throw a rock at him. <laughs> Don't try it. I'm fast. I can move. You know, for many of us, we talk so much about trusting God, but God desires for you to be a person he can trust. And becoming a person that God can entrust with wisdom, with blessing, with favor, with graces, to, with breakthroughs even. Because your breakthrough is not just something God gives to you and says, oh, I love you, here's a breakthrough. But he desires you to use that breakthrough to set someone else free. Every breakthrough God gives you is an opportunity to break through into someone else's life. And becoming that person, it happens in two ways, specifically in regards to our spiritual leaders and authorities. And that's submission and honor. Let's talk about submission. Everyone turn to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 17. We're going to read this verse. Submission. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The word obey here in the Greek means obey. The word submit here in the original language means submit. That's what it means. And we'll get real practical today. Your leaders. Well, who are, who are my leaders? You know, is that person my leader? Okay. Your small group leader is your leader. Your community group leader is your leader. Your 
community pastor, even your campus pastor. I know many of you are talking, well, he, you're just talking about yourself. Well, no, your lead pastor. The Bible says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. See, many of us in the body of Christ today, we have a poor understanding of what our spiritual leaders are actually doing in our lives. And therefore, we don't submit to them. We don't obey. We don't we don't place ourselves under their watch. And I want to tell you something about submission before I go any further about submission. Submission is a choice. People say, well, you're going to force me to submit. Pastor, you're just telling me to submit. I don't want to submit. Well, you don't have to submit. You don't have to. But if you're going to make that choice not to submit, you also have to decide that you're going to deal with the consequences. You know, when, I, when I'm serving under Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron, who are our lead pastors, a lot of people, especially in the beginning, they came to me. And they would ask me different things like, well, if Pastor Christian tells you to do to mop the floor, are you going to mop the floor? Yeah. Well, if he tells you to go run a mile, are you going to go run a mile? I'm like, I'm going to grab my inhaler. I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to run. <laughs> well, that just sounds like you're his slave. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Don't you dare say I'm his slave. I ain't no one's slave. I submit to him because I choose to. I submit, I obey, not because anyone forces me to do it, because I'm free in Christ. And we, we saw a couple weeks earlier that freedom is the ability to make an empowered choice. Therefore, submission is not something that God is forcing you to do. It's something he gives you a choice to do. But he says, if you decide not to do it, you got to be willing to deal with the consequences. Many of us decide not to submit, but then we turn around to and go to those same leaders and we say, I'm going through so much crap. Can you help me? Submission is a choice. But our leaders, what they are meant to do is they are to keep watch over your soul. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul. Everyone say soul. The, the word soul in the Greek is the word psyche. It's where we get psychology. You thought I was just going to say it means soul. Gotcha. And it means your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul. And your spiritual leaders are meant to keep watch over your mind, your will, and your emotions to help you out from you going into false teachings, for you to going into bad doctrines, from you making foolish decisions. It means your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the problem with most believers today is that many of us are more in submission to our souls than we are to the word of God. So we walk into the house of God and the only person we listen to, the only thing we listen to is our own mind. The only person, only will that we're subjected to is our own will. The only emotions, we're only connected with our own emotions. And that's, we are the church of me. And so you need, but God says, no, no. If you continue to walk down that path, you're going to become a person that I cannot entrust these things to. 
So you need a leader over you to keep watch over your mind. Over your will, over your emotions. First Corinthians 2.14 says the natural or the soulish person does not accept the things of the spirit. For they are foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That word natural, it has the same root word as soul. It means the soulish man, the person who is constantly in submission to their own mind, their own will and their own emotions and not the word of God, the the spirit of God. And everything that they hear from God sounds like complete foolishness. There's some of you listening right now and you're thinking everything he's saying is foolishness. You're closing your heart to it. He says the natural man cannot even understand the word of God. They can't even understand the will of God. They can't understand anything that God wants to say to them because the only thing they're in submission to is themselves. But see, God doesn't want that for you. So he puts spiritual leaders over you. And the first thing they do is they keep watch over your mind. Romans 8, 6 to 8 says to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Many of us are so in submission to our own thought patterns. We got saved a long time ago, but our thoughts never changed. We prayed the prayer a long time ago, but we still think the same way that we used to think. See, when Paul, he writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, listen, that was not the way in which you were taught Christ. You need to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And you need to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So you can put on the new self, which created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, your spiritual leader, when you sit down with them. A lot of times we're coming, we come in with all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of ways. A lot of times I notice even for myself when I come before my spiritual leaders, because I'm not telling you this as someone who's not applying this. When I come before my spiritual leaders, a lot of times I have so many things, you know, we have a tendency to overthink. So we've thought it through. We've thought it up, down, left, right. We've thought through everything. And then we come before our leaders and we say, blah. And our leaders are like, hold up. Where did that even come from? That's not even in alignment with the word of God. Wait, why are you thinking this thought about yourself? You've been in a, you've been in depression for months. You've been in depression for weeks and months. You've been thinking this, this destructive thought for so long. Why didn't you ever bring this to me? Don't you know that as your spiritual leader, God has put it over me to keep watch over your mind to help you bring that thought back under submission to Christ. For so many of us, we stay so wrapped up in our own mind, our own thoughts. We counsel ourselves. You should do this. No, you shouldn't do this. You should do this. And, and no, what we need is a spiritual leader to walk in and say, no, this is the word of God. That right there, that is not God at all. You need to bring your thoughts back into alignment. To keep watch over our will. Proverbs 16, 1 to 2 and verse 25 says the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. 
coming real with y'all today. I want you to hear this. We have to bring our will under submission because for many of us, we can do something all this time. And in our minds, it seems like it's the right thing to do. Well, I've researched it. I've done this. I've done this, this, and this. Don't you know that this way is right? Not knowing all along that everything that feels right, everything that we're thinking is right, is heading towards destruction. Because we're shepherding ourselves. We're leading ourselves. We're trying to lead ourselves in the way of righteousness. But see, spiritual leaders are meant to be people that come and they say, no, you know what? That sounds good, but I think what God is saying is that you need to go this way. I remember right before I was about to come to Korea, I was, as in, after I had finished my degree at UNC, woo-woo, Tar Heels, come on. And I'd finished my degree, and I was praying about what to do next, and I got an offer from a friend of mine at the church I was attending, and they offered me a job to work at this Christian web developing company. And I was like, come on. Like, this sounds off the hook. Yes. Mm. And I remember I talked. I called up Pastor Christian in Korea. And I talked to him. And I said, you know, I got this job. But something inside of me says I need to come to Korea. This job will, will send me to New York. I ain't never been to New York. I don't even know what it looks like. But I want to go. It's going to be awesome. And then he, he said, well, okay, well, what about Korea? And I was like, you know, well, Korea sounds awesome. And I know that if I go to Korea, God's going to do things beyond my wildest dreams. But I'm afraid I'm going to get there. I'm going to achieve it. And it's all going to crumble in my hands because I'm going to do something to mess it all up. And I talk, And then PC says, you know, Marcus, that, that way to New York sounds really good. That sounds really awesome. And I'm going to tell you, you should pray about it. But... You should not make a decision based on the fear of failure. In that moment, he discerned what was really going on in my heart. I was using all this language to try and mask what was really going on. You know how we like to do that sometimes? You know, we just like to talk around the issue. Oh, well, you know, it's, you know, well, you know, it's like you, you didn't, you said nothing in that whole time. And you know it because you don't want to talk about what's in the center. In that moment, he just immediately addressed what was in the center and I felt conviction. See, there was a way that seemed right to me. But I needed that spiritual leader to shift me and shift my will because he was keeping watch over my will. Saying, you know what, I don't want you to walk down that wrong path. Because how is God going to entrust to you that destiny he has for you? If you go down that path, you won't even be in the right position to do it. They keep watch over our emotions. It's a pastor by the name of Dr. Kirby Clements. He says emotions are awesome friends. They're great friends, but terrible masters. And for many of us, our emotions is what leads us. I feel this way. I feel this way. Oh, my heart. Oh, I'm so in love. I want to do this. This this feels right. This seems right. This seems like the right thing to do when 
And that's all because we're in submission to our will and not to the word of God. And so what we need is a spiritual leader to come in once again and say, hey, listen, I know you feel a certain way. And those feelings are those feelings are not invalid by no means. Jesus had emotions. He wept. But your emotions never trump the word of God. Your emotions never trump the leading of the Holy Spirit. Your emotions are never meant to trump what God has spoken. But for many of us, that's how it is. Our emotions. We find ourselves being led by emotions of bitterness or disillusionment. We find ourselves being in a a deep or dark place for months on end. And, and then at the end of the day, usually what happens is we blame our spiritual authorities. How come you didn't, how come you didn't help me when I was going through all that? Where were you in all of that? And honestly, God, know, he loves you enough to put a spiritual leader right there, actually. You're right there. You just didn't say anything. You didn't allow, you didn't give them room to keep watch over your soul. You know, I want to talk about really quick some marks of maturity. You know, one of the greatest marks of maturity is that you can get older. As you get older, you learn how to to articulate your needs. When a child is a baby, you know, and they're born and they're with, you know, before they even learn how to talk intelligible words, you know, ch- children, what are they doing? And the parents are trying to figure out what they're crying about, do they need food? Do they need diaper? Check the diaper. Do they need some food? Do they need some milk? What do they need? What do they, what do they need? And then as a child gets older, you know, the first word most children learn is no. And so parents use guessing games. Do you want the bottle? No. Okay. Uh, do you, you want the, you want the bear? You want the bear? No. Okay. Okay. What else do you want? Do you want the TV? You want the TV? What do you want? You want pancakes? And so then that, that next stage, they're just trying to, the child, the only thing the child can articulate is no and then mine. <laughs> That's, wow. But then as a person gets older, a mark of maturity is that you are able to articulate your needs before the people that can help you get those needs met. But for many of us, we've never really learned how to figure out what it is we're actually needing. And so we go to and fro, led by our mind, our will, and our emotions, when God has put a spiritual leader right there to help you discern what you really need. And see, when we submit, and when they, we give them room to speak into our lives and we make a choice that even in those moments where we don't agree, because a lot of us, we even myself, it's very easy to submit when we agree. But the true mark of submission is when you don't agree with what they have to say. But see, your leaders, they keep watch over you. And as you submit, your mind and your will and your emotions begin to shift in a way in which you start to get God's heart 
You start to receive God's heart. See, God could look at David and say that he was a man after his own heart because David had lived most of his life in submission. He was living in submission to his father's desire. You know, David, just go out with the sheep. All right, pops. This sucks. Ain't nothing happening. Lion. God says, David, I want you to go submit to Saul. Saul was a flawed man. I want you to just play the harp for him. David, just, just go ahead and play the harp. Okay. Oh, that sounds so good, David. That sounds so good. Yeah! Lord, why you got me submitting to this guy? Can't you see he's got anger issues? Even when David was on the run. And Saul was trying to kill him. None of your leaders have tried to kill you, by the way. (laughs) Saul's trying to use the bathroom and one of David's men's like, let's take him out now. You know he can't move fast when he's squatting. Come on, let's move. (laughs) And David's like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. He's king. He's the anointed one. I'm going to just, I'm going to stay. I know he's flawed. I'm going to get out. Of course, you know, if one of your leaders try to kill you, you need to leave. (laughs) But still, David's heart was one of submission. And God saw that and he said, you know what? If David will be in submission to a guy like Saul, even when he gets older, even when he becomes king, If he will be in submission to a guy like Saul, he will do whatever I ask him to do. If he will stay in submission to someone who's flawed. Because he understands, even when he gets to the place where I'm calling him to be, then I know I can trust him. And what I want to tell you, I want to tell you that qualifications don't matter. Most of us, we approach our leaders and we want to read their resume. Even if they don't give us a resume, we are going through their resume in our minds. But I'll tell you, you can submit to your friends based upon their qualifications. You know, are we the same age? Do we have the same interests? Or do we come from the same place? Do we like the same music? But a lot of people want to submit to their spiritual authorities based upon their qualifications. Oh, well, he's younger than me. Well, you know, I've... You know, he's he's not he doesn't know the Bible as much as I do. She you know, she just became my leader. How's she going to be my service team leader? She's so much younger than me. She's never even been on service team. God says submit. See, you can submit to your friends based upon their qualifications, but you submit to your spiritual authorities based upon the qualifications of the one who put them over you. And that's God. And God's pretty qualified. Wouldn't you say? So when you submit, actually, you're not even saying I trust you. Pastor, I trust you, small group leader. What you're saying is, actually, God, I trust you. God, I choose to submit to this person, not because they're so flashy, not because I like their preaching, not because they're really fashionable. I choose to submit to them, God, not because 
of all these other reasons, God, I choose to submit to them because, God, I trust you. And I know, God, that you are qualified and your resume is full. And God says, you know what? You can submit. That's good. The next thing, not only submission is important, but honor. Everyone say honor. honor. I want to tell you, it's not enough that you submit. Because submission without honor is just dead religion. I want to tell you, when I, when I first became when I first became pastor here at Itaewon, campus pastor, even when I first became an intern pastor, I remember so clearly that I remember I had a conversation with someone one time, and, and they sat down with me, and they said, you know, Pastor Marcus, I'm, I got your back. And I was like, what are we doing, like tug of war? Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You got my back. You know, Pastor Marcus, I got your back. Okay, you got my back. All right. Well, you know, like I, I, I honor you. I honor you for who you are, and I, I bless you. And and I was like, okay, you honor me, okay. And then they said, but you know, I just need I need a leader over me that can. I need I need a leader that can that can disciple me and make me grow. I don't feel like I'm growing. And I was thinking, wait a second. They were like, you know, I honor you. You're a mighty man of God, but I need to leave because under your leadership, I'm not growing at all. And I was like, wait, how do you feel like you need to grow? Well, I feel like I need to grow in this area and this area and this area. And I was thinking, wait a minute. Those are the three areas that God has said he's gifted me. What do you, what? Wait, huh? And I remember in that moment, God told me, I felt like God was saying, you know what, just just tell them the truth. And I looked at them square in the face and I said, you know what, you say you honor me, but that's not honor. Because, you know, they were like, I'll submit. You tell me to do something, I'll do it. But, you know, I just think I need a different, I need a leader over me that can make me grow. I was like, that sounds like the opposite of honor. You know, we're really good about saying, you know, I honor you, I honor you, I honor you. But most of us don't understand the true meaning of honor. See, honor is not just saying I honor you. Honor is saying I look at you and I recognize what God has put inside of you. I recognize the grace that is upon your life. I recognize that what God has done in you and I want to put myself under you to receive that grace as well. You know, that person is no longer at our church. And I remember another story with another person who is no longer at our church as well. And I remember when I first met them, they said, man, you're Pastor Marcus. I love you, bro. It's like, I just met you. I don't know how you love me like that. But yeah, I, I love you too, bro. And we would talk and we would talk. And then all of a sudden they would say, you know what, but Pastor Marcus, I... Can I talk to you about something right now? Can I talk to you? I'm like, sure, sure. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk. Hey, but can I talk to you about this as a friend? Not as my pastor. I was like, what? 
you know, can, no, no, I mean, you're my pastor and all, but I want to talk to you as a friend right now. Can we just be buddy, buddy? You know what he was saying? He was saying, Pastor Marcus, I want to talk to you about something, but I'm not trying to give you room to speak into it. You know, I'll say I'll submit to you, but I don't really honor you. I'll do what you tell me to do, but then behind your back, I don't actually believe that you're the person God has put over my life. You know, a lot of times we can have our small group leader over us and they say, do that. And you say, okay, well, I'll, I'll submit, I'll do it. But then when we turn around and talk to someone else, we're only ridiculing and talking about how we don't like our small group leader or how they've got so many weaknesses. But in their face, we say, no, I submit. But you can submit, but not honor. And if you submit with no honor, that grace does not flow into your life. You know, see, what this brother didn't realize was that friend Marcus could do nothing for him. I could give him an encouragement, pat him on the back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Friend Marcus couldn't do much for him, but Pastor Marcus had the authority to set him free. See, in the, in the Western church, there's this, there's this understanding that your leaders, you got, they got to be your friend first. Let's get buddy first. Can I sit down? Can we get coffee? And I'm not saying I don't like coffee. I love, you know, caramel macchiato. Y'all want to get some coffee? Like caramel latte, you know, I'm down, you know, let's do it. But the understanding is not, I'm going to see this person as a spiritual authority. I'm, no, it's actually, I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to bring you to my level. We're the same here. You know, the one time that a disciple did that, Jesus called him Satan. I'm going to go to the cross. Hey, come come here, Jesus. Come here. I'm going to talk to you as a homie. Listen here, Jesus. Now, we've been rolling together for a while. And you can't do it. Far be it from you to go to the cross. Jesus said, hold on. You better get behind me, Satan. You know what? Because it shuts our hearts off from receiving the grace we need to get set free. You know, honor... In Numbers 12, there's this story of Miriam and Aaron. And Miriam and Aaron, you know, they're Moses' siblings. And I can imagine for Miriam and Aaron, it had to be difficult, you know. Their, their brother that they ain't seen for a long time, he's all up in the palace and stuff. He's getting fed grapes on a couch every day. And then all of a sudden, he gets kicked out, and now he's Savior. He comes in, i got to submit to this guy? I've been, I've been reading... I've been reading the word of God every day. I've been I've been walking with God all this time, even though I've been in slavery. And now I got to submit to this guy. And it says that Moses married a Cushite woman in Numbers 12. So, you know, he had. You know, he okay, he married a Cushite woman. I don't know what I was going to say about that. (laughs) I was going to say something, but I decided to stop myself. And the funny thing was, was that Miriam and Aaron, two people that were committed to submit to their brother, they turn around and they say, wait, has, has God only spoken through Moses? God ain't only spoken through Moses. God can speak to us too. You know what? I'm Miriam. I'm a prophetess. Shoot. And the Bible doesn't say that Moses heard them. It says that God heard them. 
It says that God heard them and then God confronted them. And God took it so personally. He said, what, you're going to come against the man that I have put over your life? And he struck Miriam with leprosy. And you're thinking, oh, I'm not saying God's going to strike you with leprosy. God is gangster. But what I am saying is what he did was he struck Miriam with the same thing that he had struck the, the Egyptians with, one of the plagues. The, the very thing that he used to mark Moses' leadership before Pharaoh, he had to use to mark Moses' leadership before his own sister. Because she was not, she submitted, but she wasn't willing to honor. You know what honor looks like? Honor is more than just saying, I honor you. Honor is recognizing the value and gift that God has placed inside of your spiritual authority. And as you honor them in your heart, God begins to honor and bless you. You know what that means? That means no gossiping about your leaders. That means not sitting down where your leader's not around and then talking about them behind their back. That means no backbiting. That means no smiling in their face but joking about them behind their back. All of that is dishonorable and an affront to God. All of that God takes seriously. All of that God looks at and says, hey, you're going to treat the person that I put over you that way? He says, if that's the attitude of your heart, how will I trust you when you get to the place where you're entrusted with other people? If that's the way you're going to look at the leader who's over you now, what are you going to do when there's no leader over you and it's just me and you? See, I'm not saying this to bring condemnation. I'm saying this that you would be convicted to think. Am I becoming a person that God can trust? Am I becoming a person that God is going to look at and say, you know what, man, they're walking in submission. They're walking in honor. (sighs) See, we honor because inside God has made us an honorable people. We love to say that at New Philly. We honor because we're honorable. We submit because we trust God. And it's something that even Christ himself did. Christ, he submitted. He submitted to the Jewish laws and customs. Even when he was walking around, he wasn't just breaking through doing his own thing. Even when Christ, for those 30 years that he was an apprentice, when he was working in his craft, he had to learn carpentry. He was submitted under a man. He wasn't walking around like, I'm King Jesus. I know how to do this wood. It even says Jesus had to learn obedience. And see, when we reflect Christ through being honorable and trusting in God through the leaders he's placed over us. We find ourselves living a life in which God says, you know what, I can trust. I can trust him. That's how God was able to look at the life of David in submission and say, you know what, that's a man who's after my own heart. He's going to do my will. That's how God was able to look at Joseph when Joseph was in submission to Potiphar, in submission to the warden in the prison, even in submission to Pharaoh and say, you know what? I can trust Joseph to do my will and to free my people from this famine. That's why I believe it's even David's heart of submission and trust before God that 
that even that show that even when David messed up and he he killed Uriah and he slept with Bathsheba, that God still did not deny David. But instead, he sent Nathan, he sent his prophet to speak into his life and lead him back into the right way. You know, even the apostles, when they submitted under Jesus and a lot of us would think, you know, if I'm an apostle, that would be easy to submit before Jesus. But Jesus walked the earth as a man. Yes, he was perfect. Yes, he was sinless, but it was still a man that they had to submit to. But as they submitted and as they trusted, God looked at those apostles. He said, you know what? These are men that I can trust with my Holy Spirit. These are men that I can trust with the anointing power. You know, all our leaders, even our lead pastor, they're people under submission. Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron, they're under submission to Pastors Benjamin and Sonny Robinson, who live in Emeryville, California. And they bring their lives under submission to that man and woman of God. And Pastors Benjamin and Sonny, they bring their lives under submission to other pastors. And the reason we do that is because we recognize that when God works in us through submission and trust, he can do a lot more through us. See, God sees that and he says, I can trust you with more. When God sees that we can be faithful to honor and submit to men. Men who are sometimes imperfect. I'll be honest as. I make a lot of mistakes. And Pastor Christian, as my, as my spiritual leader, my spiritual father, he makes a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of times where I find myself tempted to be offended by him. But I know that God tells me, I, every time I feel like that pride rise up inside of me when he tells me to do something. This past week, it was one of the most interesting weeks ever as, as a staff member for me. Yesterday, I, I was... I was working on my sermon, and halfway through the day, Pastor Christian says, hey, Marcus, come here. I was, okay, okay. Uh, what's up? What you need? He's, I want you to come in here. I want you to work on these wires. And I'm like, what do you mean wires? And he's like, here, here, here's some, here's some Ethernet cables. I want you to wire them, and I want you to make them ready so that we can use them for, for our, our wireless streaming for our prayer tabernacle. And I look online and it's like, and I mean like literally like I have to pull the wires out. I have to undo the wires and like, you know, when you buy an internet cord, like I pretty much had to make one of those. And I'm looking at him thinking like, I got a sermon. Like I got so much I got to do. Don't you know what? Don't you know who I am? (laughs) And and I felt this pride rising up inside of me like they Actually, he asked me to do the wires earlier in the week, and I submitted to that pride. I, so, I just did it. I didn't even do it delicately. I just did it. And then later on, he saw me. He said, man, the wires don't even work. I need you to go back and do them again. I'm like, do them again? Don't you know who I am? I am, I am my name is Pastor Marcus. My first name is Pastor. Asked me to do some wires. It's like, do I look like an electrician? Do I have an electrician written across my forehead? I felt that pride rising up inside of me. And I heard God whispering. He said, you know what, Marcus? I guess this is the level you're going to stay at. Man. If, if that's your heart right now, 
how are you going to treat people who are under you later on? If that's, if that's the kind of pride in your heart, I can't trust you with more. And when I felt him whisper that to me. I was like, you know what? Where's the wires? <laughs> and so I sat there and I spent four hours doing wires. Actually redoing the wires that I had done earlier out of my own pride and own arrogance. You know, sometimes when we decide to do things without submission and honor, we end up having to do the same thing all over again later on. And we wonder why we're constantly doing the same thing and reliving the same thing and having to learn the same lesson over and over and over. And it's because the first time God wanted you to submit, you said no. The first time God wanted you to just honor and to be careful to do it. Don't you know who I am? Don't you see the name written across my forehead? But it's funny, as I did those wires, and it took a long time, and I finished it. And I remember plugging the wires in. And the first time I plugged the wires in, after they, I did it sloppily, they didn't work. Like they were going in and out. And even looking at it, I realized, I was like, man, there's thousands of people who won't be able to partake in what God's doing in this house because I decided to do these wires so sloppily. But when I sat there and I redid it again and I plugged it in, I just felt God just being like, well done. Little wires, well done. Well done. I can entrust you with more. There's more that I have for your life. For each one of you, God wants to entrust you with more. There's so much more that God wants to entrust you with. But it does not come through the path of exalting yourself. It actually says God humbles the proud, yet he exalts the humble. You being a person that God can trust only comes through the pathways of submission and honor. That's how we become the people that God looks at and he says, you know what? That's somebody who's after my own heart. When he becomes king, he will do all that I desire. God's put amazing ministries. God's put amazing destinies upon each and every person in this house. Our last core value is to dream big. And that's because we're not people who just, oh, no, we believe that God has called us to actually fulfill those big dreams. But it starts with recognizing that the anointing flows from the top down. Let's pray. I want everyone right now to just close your eyes. You know, the funny thing about the best leaders is that the best leaders are great followers. You know, the best leaders are people who understand what it, you know, because they're walking in submission, because they're walking in honor. When they're made, when God entrusts them with 
wisdom, authority, when God entrusts them with various things, when God entrusts them with even his most precious thing, which is people, they don't rule over it, people. They don't lord over people because they understand what it's like. They understand what submission requires. I know for many of us, though, it's hard. It's hard to submit. It's hard to honor. And that's because we've had leaders in the past who have dishonored us, who've taken advantage of their authority, who've hurt us. Maybe you, maybe you didn't have a spiritual leader necessarily in the church, but maybe it was your spiritual leader in your home. Maybe it was your father or your mother. And they used that authority that God had given them not to serve you, but to hurt you. And for many people in the body of Christ, what keeps us from submission, what keeps us from honor is offense. And usually it's not even the leader that's over us that we're offended by. It's someone else long ago. It's someone else who's hurt us, who's did something, maybe even took advantage of us. And so when we hear a word like submission and honor, we think, God, that's, that's not right. God, that's going to, don't you know what I, I did that last time? Don't you know how that ended up? But I want to tell you what the enemy did to you through that leader is the counterfeit. It's the bootleg. But here in this house, God wants to give you the real thing. He wants to restore everything that the locust has stolen. Everything that's been taken. Even as I was preparing this message, I felt the Holy Spirit put it heavy on my heart that there's a lot of you who it's been really difficult for you to trust your leaders. And it's because there's been a leader in the past or maybe even a spiritual authority, your father or your mother, someone whom God had placed over you as a shepherd, as a leader, but they didn't shepherd you at all. They, they beat you into submission. But God wants to bring healing because he desires for this not to be a burden, but a blessing. Maybe it's the leader that's over you even now. Maybe it's a leader that you still have to interact with every day, but there's an offense. There's something they did. They don't even know that they did. But you've been holding it in your heart. You've been holding it in. You've been smiling and, and going through the motions, but deep inside you feel distant. The first thing you want to do is get away from them. God wants to bring healing. I just feel grace in this place right now for full healing and forgiveness. So if that's you, I, I want you right now just stand to your feet.